Do you know what is terrifying? Terrifying. Growing up. For real, growing up is scary. So we here at Snap Judgment, we're trying to think up the ways to take listeners into that growing up experience. The experience of a kid in today's world becoming an adult. Especially right now. Especially right now in the San Francisco Bay Area, California, where tech millionaires literally step over homeless people on their way to Sunday brunch. I've seen it. What's it like when that world barrels down on you like a not-too-distant Mack truck? So here's what we did. We went to Mission High School. It's a school right in the middle of this crazy time and place. And yeah, it's a school that's got both wealth and poverty side by side. We chose it because more than anything, though, It's a school with a lot of heart. Now, a team of SNAP producers followed three seniors at Mission High School for a year. As they hurtled toward adulthood, I cannot wait for you to hear this. SNAP Judgment. I am walking up to Mission High School, and kids are leaving. Lots of blue jeans, lots of tank tops, lots of candy. And I'm looking for Chandra, who is our friend, who works down in the wellness center. Hey! Oh, hello. How are you? Good. <laughs> our friend great, great. Chandra Shivakumar nice, runs day. the wellness center here at Mission High. And can we go down to the wellness center? Is that right? Yeah, let's go on down. It's a place down in the basement where the kids basement. come if they're feeling nice. overwhelmed or if they're having trouble at home. Wellness down this door. There's a room full of thrift store couches, a punching bag, fresh fruit on a desk, a basket of condoms outside a counselor's door. So you got this nice sign here, looking for someone who will listen. When you need someone to talk to, the wellness program is here. Yeah, and that's you. Yeah, covers up all the mold. They have a mindfulness club and a surf club. Chandra has worked for 10 years to make this a place that helps kids feel safe and supported. And there's always some kids down here, hiding for a few minutes from the world, eating junk food and joking with counselors. He introduced three Snap Judgment producers to three kids that are kind of wellness center super friends. Kids that have had some serious trauma thrown at their young lives and who have fought back to keep on track. We're going to follow these three kids through their whole senior year as they cross over from kids to adults and get ready to step out into a San Francisco that's moving very quickly at a time when making it seems particularly daunting. Here are the morning announcements. Bling bling tutoring is happening today after school in room 322 from the wrestling coach. uh, Okay, so our first kid, Damaris, is the poster child of Mission High School. Really, there's a poster in one of Mission's hallways It's a headshot of Damaris for the Youth Leadership Club. She's also captain of the debate team and president of the Black Student Union. But she's not just some goody two-shoes. I'm over here like, I gotta be a Becky and be nice. (laughs) No! (laughs) Our producer, Adiza Egan, spent the year with her. Damaris is outspoken. And she wears her hair natural in a teeny-weeny afro. I love to laugh. I love to smile and, you know... Do what a teen does. Ooh, doo-doo. Uh, you tracking me. Ooh. <laughs> Damaris has two best friends, and they always meet up at lunch because Damaris is often too busy with clubs or work after school. <laughs> Ever since she was a little girl, Damaris has wanted to be a lawyer. So college is a really important first step for her. She's basically crafted a master plan. College, then law school, then success. So this year, senior year, is everything. Truth be told, I just want good grades, get my life together, and get the hell up out of California. I want to go to school on the East Coast. I think it's good to go out and explore somewhere different, somewhere that you're not so accustomed to. Damaris has lived in San Francisco her entire life. She lives in an affordable housing complex with her mom in a neighborhood called Potrero Hill. The neighborhood is gentrified. It's the kind of place where you can get a $16 cup of coffee. And Damaris doesn't see herself here anymore. 
I'm tired of San Francisco. People say, oh, well, you know, there's a big economic boom going on and, you know, there's just so many opportunities, but it's like, I'm not a techie. I want to have a career where I can go out there and, you know, actually make change. Like, that's who I am. Like, and I feel like San Francisco can't really help me achieve that goal. It's like, we can't afford nothing if we even want to stay home. You know, it's just, can't get no jobs. Like, it's like, bleh. But in order to leave San Francisco, Damaris needs to get a scholarship to a good college on the East Coast. It's pretty much all she ever talks about. That and how she's so afraid of getting stuck here in the city, that community college is not an option for her. With all this pressure and having to think about college and what you want to do, but also maintain what's going on here in high school, it's stressful as hell because then you're like, I can't bounce it all at once. She's got all these people rooting for her, and she's terrified of letting them down, especially her mom. She's hoping Damaris will be the first in the family to go to a four-year college. She's always been adamant on, like, going to college, going to school, like, doing something productive. Like, there would be moments where she was like, you know, don't work the rest of your life. Like, me and your sister, you need to get out of your mama's house. Looking at my family, seeing how, like, everybody's just working for their lives or, you know, seeing how everybody's just stuck. There is pressure involved, you know, because I want to do better. Like, I want to make my mom proud. You know, I want to make my family feel proud. Trying to live up to somebody else's expectations is not easy. Damaris's mom got pregnant young. And it, it becomes like that stereotypical thing. My dad was like a paralegal. He ended up hustling. And her family was getting by. But at some point, her dad felt like he just wasn't making quite enough money, especially with a family to support in San Francisco. So he made a choice. He pulled an illegal side hustle, and he landed in jail. My dad was in and out of jail a lot. And I was just, you know, with that narrative of, like, a single mom trying to do good for her kids. And Damaris is trying to do good for her mom. So what does that look like? Trying to do good for her mom? Yeah. Well... She gets good grades. She gets decent grades. Um, she does all these extracurriculars. And then she's got to make money. So she makes all her own money for herself. So she has a job on top of it. Yes. Yeah. See, I feel like going to school full time and doing a bunch of extracurriculars, that's almost too much. I don't know how you have a job on top of all of that. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a lot for her. Is the case looking streaky? Because I feel like it is. All right, hold on. I mean, we can, um. It's after 10 on a Wednesday night. Damaris is polishing the ice cream case at Byright Creamery, an ice cream parlor next to Mission High. She's just about to finish her shift. Damaris is working five nights a week. She gets off around midnight, and class starts every morning at 8 a.m., I can't be too mad because I put myself in this predicament. I was being greedy. I said I wanted me a fatter paycheck, so I decided to work Monday through Friday. Damaris needs the money. She has to pay for the SAT, the ACT, and her college applications. She's also saving up for college itself. Remember, Damaris is still 17. I feel angry when you have to pay all this money and put in all this time and motive and effort to apply for colleges and do what's necessary, and yet it's not even guaranteed that you're going to get in. You're overwhelmed. You're exhausted. You're tired. It's like, what am I doing? Are we good? Yeah, we got the okay. We're going to get the hell up out of here. (laughs) It's almost midnight, and normally, Damaris walks the one mile from the ice cream shop to her home. But tonight, I offer her a ride home. She's reluctant to accept. She doesn't want to be a burden. Seatbelt on? Oh, no. (laughs) Thank you for the ride. I really appreciate it. No problem. Okay. Okay. So, normally you walk home? Mm Mm-hmm. Do you feel safe? Like, I don't know, just recently, there's been, like, a lot of prostitutes. 
and like I would look at stuff like that, or like I look at like the homeless camps, or like little tents that be in, you know, where I walk at. Walking past these tent cities at a time when she's thinking so intensely about her own future success and failure, Damaris' mind starts to race. I look at them and it's it's one of those things where it's like, I don't want to end up like this. I don't like seeing this. I don't want to be around this no more. What I was worried would happen did. Damaris gets so busy with work, she has to miss a debate meet, and she can't keep up with her schoolwork, and she just starts to crack a little and then a lot. I had counselors saying, it makes no sense, like, you're such a smart girl, like, you should have a 4.0, or, you know, your attendance needs to be better, and you know you could do better, like, why aren't you like this? And, you know, then there's that part of looking at my family, seeing how, like, everybody's just working for their lives, or... In September, she was able to rattle off exactly what she wanted. And now, a few months later, she seems scattered, exhausted, and unsure of herself. I thought senior year was going to be, you know, we're all happy, we're good to go, like we're motivated. And then the envelopes start trickling in. And they're small. I got rejected from UC Berkeley, UCLA, CSU Long Beach, damn near Sac State. You know, it's just little things like that. These rejection letters and, like, not getting scholarships and stuff. My main fear is that I'm not, like, that I'm not stable. So when Damaris's 18th birthday comes around, she's not in the mood for any kind of attention. It's your birthday. How do you feel? I don't know how to feel. I mean, I'm 18. That's, oh, like, I'm pretty much a young adult now, like... I'm in the real world, so it's been like a rough month and a half. I didn't do everything I wanted to plan to do. It was just, you know, I felt that, you know, what's the point anymore? You know, you get to that stage where it's like, damn, like what really have I accomplished in life? And and I'm like, damn. Later that day, I walk with Damaris into her economics class. Happy birthday, Damaris. 18 today, is it true? Why did you do that? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Damaris. Happy birthday to By the time they end the song, Damaris has a grin on her face. She looks a little embarrassed, but also appreciative. That is why I did it. The next time I'm at Mission High, I pass by that poster in the hallway, the one that's for youth leadership with the headshot of Damaris. Well, just below the poster is the door to the college counselor's office. And when I look inside, I see Damaris. She's crying. How are you? You need a hug? Honey, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> you got you, mm-hmm. What's going on? Oh, killing me. <laughs> well, we're almost done. I don't need nothing. I gotta give her money. I'm finna be broke. I don't go to prom no more. I'm so tired. What happened to Damaris? She's gonna fail AP Environmental Science. Can she, like, beg her teacher to take makeup work? No, the teacher's not taking any more makeup work. So what can she do? She doesn't really know what to do. So she's at her counselor's office right now, trying to figure out how she can maybe drop the course or if there's any other options. But really, this counselor, Daphne Davis, she's her last hope. What does it mean if she fails environmental science? She might not be able to to go to college. You gotta remember all these other students out here looking at you. That's why I'm gonna give it to you sometimes and you're not gonna like what I say to you, but you know it's gonna be real. 
Okay? So that's never going to change. No matter if you call me and you 52. And I be 35, of course. <laughs> how that work? How work out? <laughs> you said what? Now how that's supposed to work out? <laughs> Alright. Um, I'm sending this off right now regarding AP Environmental Science and hopefully they will give me the okay on this one, okay? Thank you so much, Ms. Davis. You are very, very welcome, babe. Love you. Damaris walks out of Miss Davis's office into the hallway. Everybody else is doing this and that or Instagram. It's like people going to prom. I'm not going to prom. You know, or then it's like people excited for graduation. Hell, a bitch don't even know if she is finna graduate on time. You know, it's little things like that where you just sit here like, okay, okay. Like, life is not what I expected it to be right now. On top of all that, Damaris worries that the few colleges she got into will take away her acceptance letters. When Snap Judgment returns, Damaris has one foot out of the door, but no idea where she's going. And we'll find out what happens when a high school student has no place to call home. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Snap Judgment, the senior year mixtape episode. We're taking you inside the world of three graduating seniors at San Francisco's Mission High School. They're gearing up to launch into a pretty terrifying world. But in the meantime, they have to fight off their own demons. Snap judgment. Last year's yearbook, there's a junior voted most likely to be a movie star. In the yearbook picture, Branton's looking at the camera skeptically with arched eyebrows and pouty lips. He's hard to miss. But he had a problem that year, his junior year, of not showing up at school. Chandra was actually kind of searching for him for weeks. And all of a sudden one day he shows up in my office. I'm like, oh, how are you? How's it going? He's like, well, it's not that great. You know, I was just um, I was just on BART, and there was this jerk on BART calling me all these names, you know, like racist, homophobic stuff. And then he said, oh, yeah, but that's not even the bad part. He's like, well, that same guy stabbed me. I'm okay. The paramedics showed up. They bandaged me up real good. Here, look. Here's the, uh, you know, here's the cut. Brandon came out really early. He was in seventh grade. So whether it's at school or on the train... He's pretty used to taking crap for being gay, or for being black, or for both. And he's used to fighting back. This year, his senior year, our producer Eliza Smith met him in September. Do you feel like you hear homophobic comments from the young freshmen who come in too? Not a lot. They're, it's more like they're using like gay as a slur. So how do you deal with that if you hear that in the hallway? Like, hey, what you guys are saying is not cool. Yo, Miguel. As Branton walks through the halls and out onto the front steps of Mission High, he waves at almost everyone and calls to them. Sometimes he's teasing, other times he's yelling out a compliment. You know everybody. I only have a few people. Uh, you just said hi to like 10 people in the hallway. Only the problem is I'm really bad at names. I'm so bad at names. Branton is one of the most popular kids at Mission High. His classmates love him, and he's a favorite with teachers, even though he doesn't always get his homework done. He has these perfectly round, oversized 90s glasses that I'm sure don't have prescription lenses. He flips his baseball caps inside out. Guys, it's okay. You're just, like, way too cool for most people here. No, not at all. I'm not entitled like that at all. It's actually the opposite. No, that guy. Bill. Bill. <laughs> Branton's actually had a very tough couple years. 
Two years ago, when Branton was a sophomore, he'd been living at his stepdad's house with his mom and siblings. Then his mom and stepdad broke up. All of a sudden, Branton and his little brother and his little sister and his mom were homeless. I was really not happy about that. It was tough. It was very, very tough. First, they moved in with family members, staying only for short spurts so that they wouldn't burden anyone. They slept in living rooms, on couches. There was no space for us. Oh, like, we were taking a lot of space. Oh, like, we were taking a lot of food. So we just moved to place to place to place. In San Francisco, you need to put down at least $5,000 for a one-bedroom apartment. That's first and last month's rent, plus a security deposit. Branton's mom was looking for a place for her and her kids. She had a job, but couldn't get enough money together. We finally moved into the shelter. We definitely didn't feel welcomed. Like, the people who were, like, supposedly helping us, quote-unquote, was definitely not helping us, were very rude. And it, it didn't feel right. It felt more like a prison than anything. I had no privacy, and that killed me. And I was always like, I want to be on my phone. I want to talk on the phone with people that I want to talk to, but I didn't care. Because the shelter, like, you literally you slept in the exact same room. You would just hear crying. You would hear people arguing or something. Just stuff. You would just hear people just conversating. He only had the clothes that would fit in a suitcase under his bed. And there was no laundry, so it was hard to stay clean. They gave us, like, five-minute showers, which was, like, not enough. And then there was the uncertainty. Brandon didn't know when they would find a home again. They lived in the shelter about half a year until Brandon's mom found them an apartment in an affordable housing complex. He had his own shower, his own room, his own space again. I was just so used to just having to be misplaced that I was like, okay, how long are we going to stay here? How long is it we're going to be here until something happens and we're back on the street? So for a while, I was on edge. I didn't even want to, like, call my room a room because of that. I want to have my own spot and then just be comfortable. Like, I want to have my own nice stuff for me. It doesn't have to be great. It's just I want my own stuff and I want my own place to call myself home. Mission High is as close to a home as Branton has right now. He's been homeless. He's been harassed on the street, stabbed. He's always been able to come back to Mission High. But he knows... It's coming to an end. Me and my best friend had, like, a list of things that we want to get done before high school even end. So, like, we, it was just, like, get an apartment, um, have a job. I was super, super, super afraid of college. So I'm, like, I'm worried about, like, oh, my God, how am I going to pay for it? Oh, my God, how am I going to do this and that? And, like, I'm, like, planning it. Senior year, like, probably just turning 18, I'm going to have mixed emotions about. And I'm like, okay, that's a big, that's a big number. That's a legal age of an adulthood. And I, I'm not sure if I'm ready for that. Branton is literally taking notes on how to be an adult. I was supposed to, like, take notes with my mom on, like, life lessons. So I know when I turn 18, I know, like, what, what's up? What, what are you, what's insurance? How does that work out? Like, okay, explain that to me. So when I, I get, when I get my insurance, I know what to say. Eliza would see Branton about every two weeks. And every time they talked, he would tell her how freaked out he was about turning 18. And then, before he was ready, the day came. I didn't want Branton to show up at school on his birthday feeling anxious. I wanted to do something nice for him. So, on his birthday, March 24th, I got him a cake. And Chandra and I put together a makeshift party down in wellness. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. We didn't have any forks or knives, but it didn't matter. The kids were already attacking the cake with their hands. There was chocolate frosting everywhere. Damaris comes down to wellness to celebrate with Branton. She gives him a hug and hands him a Sunday from the Byright where she works. You finna have sugar diabetes. You better drink some water. When you die, we're gonna coach you, we're gonna smell like some cake. Just hella chocolate and cake. 
Can you believe it? I'm 18. You're 18. I'm 18. I'm not even 21. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's nothing it's special. Like the not fun it's like, it's not the, it's not the, it's not the, it's, oh, yeah. you're, you're still a baby, one. but like you're an adult. So it's like, I don't know. Just be more, that's fine. Branton's 18. He didn't change overnight like he thought he would. In fact, he's just as anxious as he was yesterday. So what's Branton's plan? Is he, is he going to go to college? Is he going to go to community college? Or is he just going to work for a little while? He says he wants to go to college. He says he wants to go to away to college. So, okay. um, so sometimes he wants to go to UC Santa Cruz. Sometimes he wants to go down to UCLA. And he's talked a couple times about going to the state school in San Francisco. So he's applying to those schools? He says he's applying. Oh, I We don't know. I haven't seen him fill out an application. Um, and if you ask him, he just says, I'm applying, I'm doing it. And I, he kind of shuts down the conversation. Okay. When Snapchat returns, we'll meet a senior whose road to high school was longer and more dangerous than you could ever imagine. In fact, you're never going to whine about your life again. When Snap Judgment returns, stay tuned. Welcome back to Snap Judgment, the senior year mixtape. We're at Mission High in San Francisco, and we've introduced two Mission High seniors, Damaris the poster child who's on the brink of failing AP environmental science, and Brent, who's got all the charisma in the universe, but is terrified of stepping out into the real world. Well, we've got one more student for you to meet. His name is Alex. In the Wellness Center at Mission High, there's usually some kids hunting for free snacks, hiding from a class they just can't face, and there's usually a student crying to a counselor. Upstairs, there's kids in classes or flirting in the hall, kids studying the library, and there's Alex. Producer Liz Mack is going to take it from here. Okay, I want this song in my background, okay? Background of the show. I want this song I'm about to play. It's around 3 or 4 today, and Alex brings me to one of his most cherished high school hangouts. So tell me where we are right now. We are at the weight room at Mission High School. We're about to get crazy. What kind of crazy? Alex is a regular here. So regular that his classmates at Mission High actually call him the buff guy. And he is this tough kid who goes through life kind of like the way he lifts weights. He has this determination and laser focus. Today I'm going to do chest and legs. I'm going to work my thighs. So I'm going to do some squats. Wait, you have a tattoo? Yeah, I got two. What's it say? This is a quote. It says, I'm the, um, I am the architect of my own future. This tattoo is huge. It's across his whole chest in cursive. And it says, I am the architect of my own future. And it's kind of been a touchstone for Alex for the last four years. He's been living mostly on his own ever since he got here, and he's had to do everything by himself. Like when I go with him to the orthodontist one day. Alex is getting his braces checked today. He has to pay the balance for these appointments every month, but he's behind on his payments. Because you have a balance, and in order for us to see you, you got to be current with that balance. Okay. So he puts down $500, half of it in cash. This isn't money from his mom or his dad. Alex pays for everything on his own. I mean, it's only like 200, like 180 every month. So that's cool. If you're wondering why a high schooler is paying for orthodontist bills by himself, it's because Alex is here alone. A few years ago, when he was 16, he came to the U.S. from El Salvador. He had no friends. He had no family he could count on. And he didn't speak English. 
While his classmates were worried about earning good grades and getting into college, he was trying to figure out how to make enough money to eat. And I was doing bad. Like, I was... I was, like, trying to, trying to get out of my situation, trying to get out of this life, trying to kill myself, basically, because I was like, why me? Why am I having this life? After a year or two, he eventually made some friends. But they didn't get what he was going through. They were high school kids, and they saw his life and thought that being on his own with no adult telling him what to do sounded great. And I was like, no, that's not what I that's not that's not what I want. You don't know what I'm suffering though. Like I gotta wake up every day to work and I come to school because I want to. Does it make you mad that you can't just be like a regular teenager? Mm, yeah, all the time, yeah. And I'm have like a forty years old life. And I'm just nineteen. Alex just said he lives like a 40-year-old when he's only 19. But at the same time, he also lives the life of a senior in high school. And this year, things are looking up. Alex has a best friend, Jamie. He has a girlfriend at school. And he started to plan out his future. He wants to go to college. He wants to become an engineer. But there's still this one thing. It's been over six months already. Alex is waiting. After he came from El Salvador and got a job, figured out the language, and saved up, he got a lawyer. And he filed paperwork to ask for asylum. Basically, to get permission to stay here in the U.S. legally. What happens if you don't, if you get denied? You don't think about it? Yeah, I have that in my mind, though, but I don't want to think about it. That's not an option for me. Well, I will try. If I can get nothing in that way. I would try another way. I can get denied that way. I would try many ways. I mean, I don't give up so easy, though, until I get it. There is no way this guy is going to casually give up and return himself to El Salvador. But to understand why Alex is applying for legal status and why he won't give up, you have to know more about where he came from and how he got here. A few years ago, Alex lived in El Salvador with his four younger siblings, his mom, and his stepdad. They had just opened up an auto body shop. We were doing good. Like he, It was a small business, yeah, and they had so little money that they split the shop up. in half so he, with a clothesline and hung a blanket over he, it. Alex and his family lived and slept in the back, behind the blanket. And Alex's stepdad wasn't really the kind of guy you could rely on. When it came to running the auto shop, he wasn't even showing up for days. So Alex and his little brother Ronaldo started running the shop themselves. They'd man the shop and fix power steering and kind of muddle their way through it. Alex was just 16 at the time. He was actually there at the shop one evening when these men came in. Like 5 p.m., 5 p.m. in the evening. These were gangsters, saying that in order to protect the business, they'd need a tax from the auto shop. Basically, unless they paid up, the men would make trouble. Either you pay us or some member of your family gonna die. At that point, it was only me there, right? All my family is behind the blanket. And because Alex was the only one there, they told him he was responsible. They said he'd have to pay them $300 a week, that's U.S. dollars, in order to stay alive. So we were scared, like, what's going to happen? Did you think you were going to die? Yeah. yeah they, they don't care. We're not, there's no way we can get 300 a week every week. There weren't any other options. He had to escape to the U.S., and his mom decided she was going to go with him. So the two headed north with the group, crossing through Mexico. When they reached a Mexican town at the border, they tried to cross into the U.S. through the woods in the earliest hours of the morning. Alex walked in a line of people. That's when they heard helicopters overhead. And the coyote, the one leading the group they were in, stopped the line of people following him, saying he'd go and check it out. He told them to wait. And they passed 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour, two hours, waiting there. 
and it's already daytime. It's already like eight in the morning, and then everybody starts saying they left. They left us. Everybody like getting like freaking out. Like, what can I do? And then you know they didn't know which way the border was, and they were scared of getting caught by the agents on patrol. So when they saw some heading their way, they ran. Everybody started running crazy. Like you see people running everywhere, like little ants. Like it was just like that crazy. So that's what I got separated with my mama. You have to imagine this panic and this confusion with all these terrified people running everywhere. And in the commotion, Alex and his mom were split apart. Alex isn't sure how, but his mom managed to make it to San Francisco. Alex didn't. At the border, he was taken to a sort of shelter in Harlingen, Texas. He was 16, and he was alone. He was there for three months, until the shelter managed to make contact with some family in the United States who Alex didn't even know. When Alex was released, he met up with his mom in San Francisco. They were able to stay with distant family and started their life together here in the U.S. His relatives wanted Alex to get a full-time job so he could contribute to the household. But Alex wanted to get an education, so he went to Mission High during the day and then worked jobs at night, bussing tables. And that's how his life in the States was. Until one day, when his mom left. She didn't even tell Alex where. And soon after, his relatives told him he had to leave, too. What do you miss most about your family? What do I miss about... I don't know. I never had one. I don't know. I'm just I'm just here by myself. But you really think you have no feelings about it? You don't feel like you feel, like, mad at your mom or, like, sad or anything? Not anymore. I don't even remember how mom though until you brought it out today. Alex told me once that he actually saw his mom on the street in San Francisco. He says she saw him too, but they kept walking. They passed right by each other without saying hello. I asked him once what it's like to be without your family during the holidays. So, like, what was your Christmas like last year? I was by myself, like in my room, and that's it. Slipping. What about the the two the two years before that? The same thing. Yeah, by myself. What? How do you feel about Christmas? Oh, I just yeah, I kind of be sad though, but like you know, I just face it. Christmas is about a family, right? I don't got that. In the spring, Alex tells us he has news. He got a letter about his immigration status. You know, I just open it up. He says, okay, your son, okay, Alex, okay, your son. Okay. He's mumbling, but the verdict, Alex can stay. So what's it like to read that? Good. Happy. Release. I mean, best feeling ever. I don't know. It's just... You're happy. Like, you're so happy. Like, like let's say there's, like, there's, like, chances, opportunities, right, that you cannot take, that you cannot take advantage of it because you don't got no papers, right? But when you got the papers, you got so much opportunities. Like, you can do anything you want. Now I feel like I can do anything. So, do you have it with you? I got my, I have my work permit. What's it like to hold that? Yeah, I can kiss it, look. It's good. No, you know how many millions of people want this? And I got it. Right? That's the feeling I feel. He can get an ID, a social security card, and he can apply for scholarships which means he can go ahead with plans for college. So with the big question settled, Alex can finally enjoy what's left of senior year. I'm at school with Alex, and he doesn't really seem to want to talk today. Is this a bad day for you? No, it's just a regular day. 
Do you feel like talking today? Hmm? I'm normal. It turns out his girlfriend is crying in the next room over, and he tells me they've been arguing a lot. That's when he gets this text. It's a paragraph long. I hate you so much. Don't text me, don't call me, don't do nothing at all. I don't want nothing to do with you. So please ask you never to approach me or speak to me ever again. After this, I won't get any text or nothing. Bye. Would you just write back to her? Goodbye then. <laughs> so you guys broke up? Yeah, we broke up. Like, so now... I gotta, I gotta try plan B. Wait, wait, what are you doing right now? I'm gonna text somebody else for prom date. Prom's like two weeks. I gotta be ready. Watch me. Hello? Tamia, Tamia. Where you at? I mean, I just wanted to talk about the, the prom thing. Alright, I'll hit you up later. Just got a prom date. Wait, you didn't even ask her. You don't hear what I said? You know, I, mean, I don't mean I'm not heartbroken though, but like, come on, man, I gotta keep going. I mean, breakup's a breakup, right? Hurts, yes. You decide if you wanna be down the whole time for months, weeks, and things, or you just keep going with your life. I'm gonna choose to keep going with my life because I don't put myself in that situation, I'll be sad. Through the the last weeks of senior year, man. Come on, man. No, that's that cannot happen to me. In the morning on the day of prom, I get a text from Alex. All caps. Help me, please. His plan B has fallen through. The last minute, his date wasn't allowed to go to prom, and because he doesn't have anyone else to ask, he asks me for help. Later that night, we meet up with him in front of the Presidio Golf Club. He steps out of his Uber. Okay, so we got a date for you. We got a date for you. This is Jasmine. How you doing? Thank you for coming. And here's where we took matters into our own hands. Liz asked around if anyone could find a date for Alex. And one of our producers, Jasmine Aguilera, said, sure, I'll go to prom. You know what? I forgot my cursor sitting at home. I was in a rush. <laughs> I fall asleep. It's okay. All right, you want to go in? Yeah, let's go. It's a little awkward, but here's Alex. A couple of months ago, he didn't know if he was legal to stay in the U.S. Now, he's on the dance floor of his senior prom. With a radio producer falling from everywhere hanging onto his every word. After prom, seniors get swept up in end-of-the-year nostalgia. Everyone's feelings are very big and full, and it's a very tender moment in life. Then they have to turn towards the door and make their first big adult decisions. Damaris managed to drop the AP environmental science class. And one week before graduation, she picks a college. Notre Dame de Mure, de Namur. Notre Dame some some some. Is that in the city? Where's it? I think that's like Notre Dame de Namur is a Catholic school with about 1700 students. It's not on the East Coast. It's just outside San Francisco, and it's the school that gave Damaris the most money. I had to accept Notre Dame because it was like, yo, I'm not hearing nothing. I have to make sure I'm going to be in college. So how do you feel about, like, you were like, I want to get out of San Francisco. Like, ah. I mean, technically, you're kind of getting out, but, like, not that far. I'm irritated. Like, I wanted to leave California so badly. But it was like, you know what? I got to feel at least somewhat blessed at the fact that I still got an opportunity to get my education. You know, because it's like... I was not expecting to feel so uncertain because ever since middle school, like, I knew what I wanted to do. Like, I'm finna be a lawyer. Like, I'm finna, you know, have a good life and I'm gonna have a family. 
But as time progressed on and I seen what happened, you know, like my own personal actions, it was like, oh, like I'm not doing what I really said I was doing. My exit was not as graceful as I had plans for it to be. I tripped out the coop. (laughs) Brandon got into one college, San Francisco State. He sat with his acceptance letter for a month, unsure what to do. And in May, he picked up the phone and called his counselor at the college. And he told her that even though he'd been accepted and he wanted to go, he felt like he just couldn't. And then she was like, I totally understand. Like, this is where you can go to community college and always transfer whenever you're ready. It's just at the moment, I can tell you're not, like, you're not mentally prepared. And I'm like telling her, yes, I am not mentally prepared. Do you wish you were going to college? Of course I do. I really wish I wasn't a mess right now and, like, not accepting the fact that I'm growing up. I'm a bird. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Wait, you said I'm a bird. I'm what a does bird. that mean? Just, like, you know how, like, when, like, when they're like the time that they're like in adulthood, they're, that's when they learn how to fly. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a grow slowly. Take my time. I, just, I wanted to take baby steps from here on out, and hopefully for the best for me. Joe was like, "Girl, where was your clothes at?" At home. That's my favorite answer. <laughs> on the morning of graduation, the kids have come back down to the wellness center. They're giddy, spraying too much perfume, readjusting gowns and sashes, taking pictures. Um, so I have on the African American student sash over a yellow Twinkie gown. I will stand by that. This thing is a Twinkie yellow. So I'm feeling good. Like I'm, I'm ready to go. I just I want to keep it pushing. I want to go. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. Alex is here, too, while Damaris and her friend are getting ready. The three of them are taking pictures together. Alex, standing next to girls in high heels. This is the end of the high school. It's like, it's just, it's hard, though. It's hard to explain. Were you ever like, I'm not sure if I'm going to make it? Yeah, most of the time, yeah. That's why I'm excited, though, because I made it. I'm happy because I made it on my own. about Alex and the signs? Yeah, you know, I was, it, it took me by surprise. I mean, he came up and said, look, I'm, I was, I'm hoping that some of you guys could make signs for me. And I was like, signs for what? He said, you know, for graduation. I want signs, signs that say, congratulations, Alex. And I thought, oh, wow. <laughs> I hadn't done this before, but or I've never had a student ask for it. And then I realized there's literally nobody else that is going to be there for him. For a 19-year-old boy to come up and say, can you make a sign saying congratulations? Yeah, that was really sweet. I mean, there's no way we were going to mess that one up. So proud of you, man. Look at you. You're ready to graduate. I got to mess up on it a little bit, but I wanted you to have some, at least some kind of sign. Hang that in your wall. Definitely, yeah. That's all yours, man. Thank you. We'll be holding it up as you walk. Thank you. The kids pile into the elevator, which they haven't gotten to do until this moment because it's off limits for students. They push the button and they look up, waiting for the doors to close and the elevator to take them up to whatever comes next. Goodbye. Bye, guys. You're on your life. Bye. Good luck. Hurry up, Alex. Let's go. You're going to miss your ride to the elevator. Come on. Come on, Alex. Okay. Alex. Uh, I love you guys. Bye, Chris. Bye. Bye. during your prep and CPT to take your pictures and get your IDs. Remember the book club is meeting in the library every Wednesday at lunch, reading some really great books right now. Also, BSU meeting after school uh, where you're going to have the Spanish translations in a second. Remember, we all love you all very much. Have a great day.
Okay, so first of all, a very special thank you to our heroes, Damaris, Alex, and Brent. Big thanks as well to Chandra Shivi Kumar and Mission High Principal Eric Guthert. You want to talk about heroes? You want to talk about people walking the walk with these kids? Talk about people loving on these kids no matter what? That's what these folks do day in and day out, and we thank them. We're going to have pictures and whatnot, stuff from the amazing Mission High School on our website, snapjudgment.org. The original score for this hour was by Pat Masini Miller and Renzo Gorio. The story was produced by Adiza Egan, Liz Mack, Eliza Smith, Mark Ristich, and Anna Sussman. Yes, yes, you want more storytelling that matters in this crazy world? Please understand, there is more Snap goodness where that came from. Subscribe to the amazing Snap Judgment podcast wherever you get your podcasts, or just go to snapjudgment.org. And big news, Snap Judgment Live is coming to Nashville and St. Louis. More dates being added. Experience the magic of the world's best storytellers rocking the mic, backed by the Beats of Bells Atlas. Tickets available right now at snapjudgment.org. Snap is produced by the team that will even take you to prom if they have to. Give it up for the Uber producer, Mark Ristich. Pat Masini Miller hung out with the jocks in high school. Anna Sussman wasn't a cheerleader. Adiza, the nerd Egan. Liz, chess club Mac. Eliza, Tater Tot Smith. Joe Rosenberg has never seen 16 Candles. Leon Marimoto was the bad guy from 16 Candles. Teachers Pat, Renzo Gorio, our own foreign exchange student, Shayna Sheely, Tail, Art Kid Ducat, and Jasmine, the prom queen Aguilera. And even though this is not the news, no way is this the news. In fact, you go back to high school 20 years later and once more get shoved into a locker with your lunch money stolen and you would still not be as far away from the news as this is. But this is... W-N-Y-C.